Good morning and welcome back to High Point Church. My name is Andy, I'm the lead pastor here. Always a delight to be worshiping with you online. And today we're in our series, Love, Follow, Share, and we're going to get straight into it today. I mentioned this last week. I still got some stories in the tank here from my time at Universal Studios a few weeks ago. It was our little Christmas present to our, our family the first week of January. And it was hard not to walk away with tons of things that I wanted to just talk to you about. Uh, on one such occasion, um, there's a ride called Rip Ride Rocket at Universal. And it's an intense roller coaster. It's scary. And I took my oldest son on it. And as we were getting off the ride and walking out of the, you know, the queue, the line, my son Graham notices something on the ground, the front of the ride. And it's a stack of money, a wad of cash. And he picks it up and says, hey, you know, check this out, dad. And he hands it to me and it's a hundred, it's hundred dollar bills. Okay. So my son outside of Rip Ride Rocket finds several hundred dollars that's just sitting on the ground. Now I'm going to tell you what we did. Because when you find three, four hundred dollars like that in the middle of an amusement park with thousands of people around you, I, first of all, I don't know how we were the only ones to see it, but nevertheless, you pick it up and you kind of just slowly look around to see if anybody else is seeing this moment at the same time. Like, are we the only ones who are seeing this money? And we weren't trying to hide it. I wasn't trying to hide it. But I have to tell you, when I started flipping through and saw how much money we were talking about here, secretly, I was like, please, Lord, let nobody come looking for this. This is awesome. This clearly, you want me to have this. This is a blessing straight from the throne room of heaven on my vacation. You did this to me because I'm a pastor, didn't you? Thank you, Lord. So I've got this wad of cash. And Graham and I, I just look at him, you know, and we're immediately thinking food and souvenirs. Like, we are about to cash this puppy in. And I looked at him. I said, okay, okay, hold on. Like, is anybody looking at us? Is anybody watching us? You know, you look to see, does, is there anybody that has the look of panic and despair, you know, that might be looking for this money? I mean, it's not ours. We didn't work for it. It's not mine. And I don't see anybody. So, you know, other than being on like a hidden camera TV show, you know, I begin to walk away with several hundred dollars. And I, you know, I sense that moment, a teaching moment with my son. And I felt the Lord saying, hold up, just wait, just wait. So I looked at Graham. I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to just, we're going to wait here for a few minutes. Let's wait five, 10 minutes and just make sure, because this is the kind of thing that, that could ruin somebody's vacation or their day. Who knows what the conditions are of them being here? And so we waited, we waited and we waited 
And I see these two guys, grown men, you know, come rolling back to the line. And, you know, they didn't necessarily look desperate, but they definitely were on, there was a purpose to their pacing, okay? And and they walk straight to the line, and then they come straight back. And I just, I got this sense, I need to go ask them what's going on. Like, why'd you go into the line, and then why'd you come back? So I walk up to them with Graham and I say, hey guys, everything okay? I noticed you you kind of bolted into the line and now you've bolted out. What, what's going on? And, you know, this guy says, I, I dropped all my cash. I have no idea where it's at. And I had it literally like right here in the pocket and I just boop, pulled it out and I said, I think you're looking for this. And the guy, first of all, he lets out the longest series of expletives in the history of the world <laughs> right in front of my son, you know, F-bomb galore. And it's, it's longer pronounced. It's right in like slow motion. And he's so overwhelmed with gratitude. Then he proceeds to bear hug me, right? And I mean, like up, you know, down. And then the guy next to him, you got to love, you got to love church talk. And I didn't tell him I was a pastor or anything like that, but God bless you, brother, you know? And, and every verse that he knew from the Bible, which weren't too many, came out, you know, to just give me a blessing. And then he rolls off $10 from this wad of cash and gives it to Graham as just a thank you for your integrity and Thank you for your honesty. And away we went. And I had this moment where I was able to look at Graham as we were walking. And I, you know, I said, well, what did we learn from this? Like, what, what's our takeaway? Like, what, why was this a significant moment? And I got to teach my son in this, literally at the amusement park, that life is a lot more than just money. Life is a lot more than your possessions. It's a lot more than just getting more to eat at the amusement park or having more souvenirs. Life is more than your career. Life is more than all the things that oftentimes we make life about. But reality is this, that life is knowing Jesus and doing what's right, even when you don't want to. And I have to tell you, deep down inside, there was even a measure of disappointment as I was handing that money back because I just thought all the things I could get and do with this. And yet it all changed the minute I saw the response that this man had and what it did for him. And I'm reminded and able to teach my own son that doing what's right and obeying and being faithful to the Holy Spirit in these kinds of moments, that is where real life comes from. It's not your career. It's not your title. It's not your job. It's not your car. It's not even your relationship. And it's not even your children. That isn't where ultimate life comes from. Even though some of those things God uses to produce a bit of life-giving experience, that's not ultimate life. That's not true life. That only comes from knowing Jesus, being changed by him, and doing the will of the Father. Doing what God is telling you to do. That is life-giving. Turn to Mark chapter 10. 
You know, many people, uh, they make resolutions at the beginning of the year. And the reason we do that is because we want to experience something different this year. There's some measure of satisfaction or fulfillment that we haven't experienced yet back here, and we want to experience it here. So people make resolutions to lose more weight, make more money, spend more time with kids, work less, whatever it might be, read more books. And I want to encourage you today not to, not to add resolutions to the list or, or make res- more resolutions, but understand this, that, that true fulfillment, true satisfaction in your soul, all those things are good. Do those things. But if you want soulful, spiritual satisfaction, that's going to come from you knowing Jesus and following him. Mark 10, verse 17, we've got an encounter that's an interesting one in the Bible. Um, I mean, all the encounters are interesting, but this one, this one gets my attention a lot. I've read this story many times. And verse 17, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. It's a measure of desperation here. He says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do? If you've got a Bible, a paper one in particular, underline this thing. Circle the word do because this is what this, this guy, he perceives life from what he does, the doing. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one's good except God alone. In, under, in other words, like, do you really know who you're talking to? Are you calling me good because you're just flattering me? Or are you calling me good because you understand that the good father, the good almighty God is actually standing before you? Messiah is in front of you right now. Why do you call me good? Because only God is good. Do you know who I am? You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shouldn't give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. Verse 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. What I love about this text in verse 21 and we'll read the rest of it here in just a minute, is that Jesus looked at this man and he loved him. Jesus looked at the rich, young ruler and he loved him. This man, there's a measure of desperation. He's, he wants to know, how do I experience this life? And Jesus lays it out for him. And in some ways, it's kind of a coded version of the gospel. He's laying out these commandments. In other words, if you can get all this right, well, then you can experience eternal life. If you can do all this, well, then you can experience eternal life. But the reality is, You can't do all of that, which is why Jesus had to do it for us. And our response, the gospel and the gospels teach us, is to put our faith in Jesus and what Jesus did do for us. He lived the perfect life. He literally lived the life that we couldn't live, died the death that we deserved, and rose again on the third day. But in this moment, this is, this is pre-crucifixion, this is pre-resurrection, this man is coming to Jesus and he's, he's, uh, he's thinking that he can experience eternal life if he just does the right things. He's rich, he's young, he has authority, and yet he recognizes that there is still something missing. Do you ever feel that way? 
You're successful. You finally got the raise. You, you finally got the job. The amount of times I sit and I pray with people who need greater jobs or they need the raise and they finally get it and then they abandon all the fervency that they had pursuing God. They wander, you know, their soul begins to wander and then they come back and the question is, man, what's, what's wrong? I'm still missing something. And the reality is your hunger for that thing was, was greater than your hunger for Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, Jesus, he's laying it out in such a way that the only appropriate response from this young man would be to say, Jesus, that's impossible. And Jesus would say, exactly. That's why you need a Messiah. You're close to the kingdom, son. You need a savior. Psst, that savior's me. But instead, this man says, you know what? Oh, all these commandments, you shouldn't murder, you shouldn't commit adultery, you shouldn't lie, you shouldn't give uh, uh, steal, you shouldn't defraud, honor your father and mother. All these I've kept since I was a boy. Oh, really? Please. Like, come on. I disrupt an argument in my house with my kids about five million times a day where someone is sneaking something, you know, by somebody else, or, or they are dishonoring mom or dad, the amount of conversations where it's like, okay, that is not the way you will speak to your mother ever. That is not the way you speak to me, son. Let's try that again. Start over. Reset uh, all the time. We get this. We know this, right? If you're a teacher, you know this. If you work with any kid, you know that, that, that you haven't kept this since you were a boy. You're deceived. He's deceived into thinking, I've got all this right. Now, what do I need to do to get here? And Jesus looked at him and he loved him. He loved him despite his pride. He loved him despite his self-sufficiency. He loved him in spite of his deception. He loved him in despite, despite his dumb response. <laughs> I've kept all this. <laughs> no, you haven't. You haven't even come close. But thanks for playing. And Jesus looked at him and he loved him. And Jesus then says in verse 21, uh, he says, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The reality is the rich have an ability to do what so many others are unable to do. Money affords you ability. It affords you influence. It affords you opportunity. To say that it doesn't is just 
foolish. That's not to say that other people who don't have means haven't had things afforded to them, but money is one of those things, right, that gives you a leg up. And this guy, he's got it. And he's used to, to what that has afforded him. And Jesus looks at him, he says, if you really want to experience life, it's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you everything. Go sell it all. Jesus was not after this man's money. Jesus was after this man's heart. And this guy had a serious holdout. And thought that because of his means and because of authority and because he's young and a ruler and all the things afforded to him, surely there's something he can just do that'll give him the, the, the satisfaction that he's longing for the inside of his heart. And Jesus gives him the knockout blow. Go sell everything you got and give it to the poor. And the guy walks away sad. This is a hard truth. And it is a hard reality. Jesus literally, you know, last week I preached about Jesus going in on the religious folk and he calls them hypocrites. And that's tough to swallow. But every one of us has a religious heart. Every one of us has hypocrisy that's knocking on the door of our heart. And every single one of us also has a rich young ruler who doesn't want to give everything up in order to actually follow Jesus. There's something inside of us that wants to accomplish trying to experience life in our own strength and in our own power and our own might. And Jesus, he doesn't have it any other way. He's either the Lord of it all or that he's not the Lord of anything at all. He's the Lord of everything or he's not really the Lord of anything. He is, he is on the throne or he's not in the room. And the man walks away sad. But Jesus, I want you to hear this. He loves you enough to tell you what you desperately don't want to hear so that you can live the life you desperately desire. What you really want is what this man is expressing. I want life. Well, the, 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 the secret to experience fulfillment and eternal life is the thing that you desperately don't want to hear. But if you will just do what I'm telling you to do, you'll have the life that you so desperately desire. Give it all to the Lord. Do what he is saying. Surrender your heart. It's not about this specific thing. It's about everything. It's about the disposition of your heart. Jesus, you have it all. Jesus, you've, you have everything. Whatever you say. Whatever you say, God. I want you to hear this today. Life doesn't come from what you do. It doesn't come from what you make. It doesn't come from your career. It doesn't come from the ministry that you start. It doesn't come because you're finally a life group leader. It doesn't come because you finally got married. It doesn't come because you finally got free from being married. It doesn't come because you have children or you, you, what, what, the achievements that you so desperately want to finally have or the accolades. It doesn't come because your mom or dad finally expressed some measure of pride in you. Even even though these things 
are important. They're important. I'm not arguing that at all. But the anchor of your soul, the anchor of your heart, it's got to come from who Jesus is to you as Messiah and Savior of everything. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. And Jesus looks at you and he loves you as well. And I realize that can sound real just fluffy and fuzzy and soft. I, I get it. And also, I don't care. It's true. Jesus loves you more. He loves you for more than what you do. He loves you for more than what you make. And he loves you for more than how you perform. And some of you have been working so hard. You've been working so hard to try to gain approval. You've been working so hard to, 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 to get there, to feel recognized. I get it. There was this, you know, even recently, you know, a group of pastors and, you know, there's, there's no group of people that can be more insecure than pastors, right? True story. And, you know, I wanted to be recognized for all the hard work. I wanted to be recognized for, for pastoring for as long as I have. And I wanted to be recognized and be asked to, you know, get, get I want to get put on the speaking circuit over here. It didn't happen. <laughs> I came home all moody brooding about it. And I felt the Lord even just saying in that moment, like, am I not enough? Am I enough for you? Am I everything to you? Do I really have your heart? Or are you trying to do something to try to experience life. Are you trying, Andy, to just stretch yourself to be noticed and somehow you think that's going to bring you something that you don't currently have? Are you just, you know, like, what are you trying to do here? Go sell that, Andy. Go drop that off and give me everything. Don't worry about that. You do what I'm asking you to do. And I take care of the rest. Andy, you're more than what you do. Andy, you're more than what you make. Andy, you're, you're, you're more than how you perform. You don't have to somehow do any of these things to earn my love. I give it to you freely. Jesus looks at you and he loves you just like he looked at him, the rich young ruler, and loved him as well.
Matthew 16, verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? I've said it once and I'll say it again. Jesus wasn't after the young man the young man's money he was after his heart and he's after yours as well he's after everything and when you give him everything it's amazing what happens on the inside of you you actually feel fulfilled and you actually feel satisfied and you're actually able to love other people the way Christ loves you We talk so much about loving other people, but until you actually freely receive the love that God has for you, you can't love other people right. And so here we are in this moment, and I'm inviting you to take a deep breath, to open wide your heart and receive the love, the unconditional Love of God the Father, of Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit for you. He asks nothing of you in this moment other than to receive it and to put your faith and trust in Him. Holy. You open both these hands and you say, Jesus, you have everything. I choose to love you. I choose to follow you. You know what happens when you do those two things? It's tough not to want to talk about what Jesus has actually done on the inside of you. Love, follow, share. Let's pray. Father, thank you. In this moment, I thank, we thank you for the love of Jesus. We thank you for the love that you showed us through Jesus. I thank you for the story of the rich young ruler, God, that, that, that we can identify with. All of us have holdout moments. All of us have holdout seasons. All of us have these things that we're trying to hold on to. And Jesus is putting his finger on it even now and reminding us that if we really want life, it's going to require everything. Just give him everything. Deny our life. Pick up our cross and follow you. And so today, Lord, that's what we choose to do. We choose to put our faith in you afresh to pick up our cross and let the old man be done away with, the old person, the old woman be done away with, and to experience life in you. And we give you everything. God, you, you fill us with everything. True life. If you're sitting here watching and you need to put your faith in Jesus, this is your day. We believe that Jesus is the son of God, the living God. And that he died for the sins of the world and life is found in him. So I invite you today to put your faith in him. And it can look like this. It can look like a prayer in this moment where you say, Father, thank you for Jesus. Right now. I put my faith and trust in him as my savior, the one who saves me from my sin. I turn from everything that is 
is that I can know of that doesn't honor him, that honor you. I choose to follow you with everything I have. You have it all, Lord. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. It's a powerful moment. It's a powerful encounter with Jesus. And I believe some of you are having a powerful encounter right now. And I want to invite you to begin taking steps in to the community that you're around, whether it's our church literally locally right here, High Point, or if you're watching from another city, I want to encourage you to get involved with a local church, a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, and begin walking this relationship with God out in community. And if you need help with that, we are more than happy to help you do it. We'll help you take those steps. You can text HP Info to 97000. You can also leave a comment right here on, the, our, on our YouTube chat, letting us know. Like, take that step of faith. Don't be shy. Don't be afraid. Drop a comment, and we'll reach out, and we'll figure out a way to help you take your next steps. We love you. Have a great week. See you right here.